Hello, everyone. It is day 28 of our daily devotional. My name is Jonathan Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors at Eden Chapel, and I am so excited to continue on in our daily devotions as we read Exodus 30-32. And a few thoughts for today, and I believe things that will help us not just read the Bible with a better mind and heart, but also some truths that are are going to help us throughout our time today and in the coming weeks ahead. Obviously, in the text, we continue on with God giving the certain dimensions and how things will be built that are going to be inside the tabern- the tabernacle. We have the altar of incense. Uh, we have the, the census tax that's going to happen every year uh, on the Day of Atonement, the bronze basin, and then the anointing oil and incense for the priests. And one thing that I really want to make mention of is on this altar of incense, which is where the blood of the offering of atonement will be every year. One thing that I was reminded of is just this yearly reminder that would have happened for the people of Israel, that they would see the cost of their sin over and over and over. They would be reminded every year, that God is holy, that sin is serious. And I I think that we need to have a better understanding of the holiness of God and the seriousness of our sin. And I I love what, what Hebrews chapter 10 tells us in regards to our standing now with God because of what his son, Jesus Christ has done, but, but also the, the reality of what sacrifice meant for Israel and how it still applies to us today. In, in chapter 10 of, of Hebrews, it says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, and so the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifice, sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. The big verse here, verse four. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And what we need to constantly remember, because we don't have this visual every year like the people of Israel would have had of a goat and a lamb, one being sacrificed, one being sent away outside the camp every single year. We don't have that visual, but what we do have is the truth and the reality of a cross where our Savior hung to take on the wrath that was due our sins. And it says in verse 14 of chapter 10 in Hebrews, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So when we look to Jesus this reality that the Israelites were experiencing in Exodus chapter 30 is that sin is serious, God is holy, and blood must be shed to cover and cleanse from sin. And in Christ, we have the fullness of that happening. We see the holiness of God on display. We see the wrath of God do our sin absorbed by Jesus Christ. And now we stand cleansed from our sin, forgiven of our trespasses in Christ. Do you trust 
in him. In chapter 31, God appoints to Moses men who will have the ability, the intelligence, the knowledge to design these things that God has charged them with designing. I love what the Lord says to Moses in chapter 31, verse 6. He says, I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. This takes me back to earlier in Exodus when when Moses is being called by God to go and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. And Moses is struggling with, who am I? God says, I will be with you. And this is just a reminder that we hear that that old statement that God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. I mean, if God calls you, his presence being with you, his power being given to you, his Holy Spirit indwelling you is all that we will ever need. And already early in Israel's history, we see this truth on display. As we're reminded at the end of chapter 31, God also takes the Sabbath seriously. And it's just an important question. Do you rest? There's just such a reminder in resting. And we're told that God created the the world, the, the universe in six days and and then he rested on the seventh day. And this is an example for us to rest. When we rest, we're reminded we're not the ones that are keeping the world spinning around. It carries on without us. We need to trust in the, the God who is the creator and sustainer of all things. But then again, we look forward to a rest, a Sabbath rest that we've entered into through the blood of Jesus Christ. We now rest. We don't have to work for God's favor. It's been granted to us in Jesus. Can you rest? Can you rest in Christ alone? Sorry for the noise. My my dog is not resting and he's being a little crazy. <laughs> Sorry about that. But then in chapter 32, we see that Moses is the most evil man to ever walk the earth, right? <laughs> he breaks all 10 commandments at once. And what happens? Well, if you have read already, or if you're familiar with the story, while Moses is up on the mountain, Israel, the people of Israel go to Aaron and they say, we don't know what's going on with this Moses guy. Will you make us gods who shall go before us? This is, we think this is wild and crazy. Like they, they, I think are getting scared or very uncertain of what's happening. They don't see God's presence with them. And so they're going, make us gods that we can worship. And I think it's interesting what happens because Aaron does make them a golden calf to worship. But then look what is said, what what the people of Israel say about this God that's raised up. It says, this is your God. And your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. These are your gods, O Israel. They they attribute to this golden calf that they've just crafted with their own hands. They they attribute to it the the salvific work that the Lord worked with his outstretched hand. 
they, they worship a God they've made with their own hands for doing something that only God could do and only doing something that only God did. And we can think that's just so crazy that Israel would do that. But then how often do we run to things made with our own hands? How often do we run to, to things that can be good in and of themselves, but we attribute it, we put on it a place that is only reserved for the Lord and Him alone. And here Israel doing that very early on in their history. And so the Lord says to Moses uh, to go down because these people are worshiping this golden calf. And he says in verse 9, I have seen this people. Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. So God is going to judge the people rightly for their sin. And man, I love this prayer of Moses. Moses implores the Lord his God and says, Oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power, with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger. Relent from the disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And I I love this. Moses standing in the gap, being a good priest to the people and imploring on behalf of the people for them to God. And his prayer is because he knew the promises of God. May, be, may we be people who stand in the gap for those who, whom the Lord's wrath is justly upon do their sin. And may we implore for their lives because we know that Jesus Christ and his sacrifice is sufficient to save them from their sins. What a good example Moses is to us for how he prays for the people. Now, he comes down and he throws the tablets in anger when he sees what they're doing. He has the golden calf crushed and makes him drink it. He's mad about this. May we also be mad when people continually choose sin. May we be angered when we ourselves continually choose sin. And I think this, we don't need to be just sitting by while, while our friends, our families, even ourselves choose sin over God time and time again. May we be adamant and quick to go to war against sin. I'm reminded of John Owen's quote. When I think about how Moses handled this with with the Levites and how they handle the sin of the people, I'm reminded of John Owen's quote when he said, if we do not kill sin, sin will be killing us. So we need to have that mindset. And lastly, the the prayer that ends this chapter with Moses when, when he says, to the Lord. This people has sinned a great sin. 
they have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. And I just, I, I can't fathom exactly what Moses prays. It reminds me of Paul's prayer in Romans 9 for his people, uh, his countrymen. And I want to pray like that. I want to care for people like that. God, save these people. Save these people. I wish that I would be accursed if it meant that you save these people. May we have a heart to see people come to know the Lord. Friends, I love you. I pray that you would, as we're about to talk in church today from Mark chapter 4, that you would let your light shine before men. Uh, I, I desire that people would see our heart for them to know Jesus and that God would be gracious and kind through our proclamation of the gospel to them and that people would be saved. Love you, friends. Have a great day.